More and more people are moving to cities, and that's going to affect almost every industry. We are very cautious and very aware to make a conscious effort to work with the ecosystem. What can the average person do to take action now? Not one person can change the world, but if we all do a little something different, it might help. Being open to embracing innovation. Know that you can make a difference. A absolutely. There's no excuse not to even do a little bit. Let's go check it out. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Going Green. Always appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we've got a very interesting guest today. His name is Ryan Kennedy. He's the CEO of Adam Power. I've been trying to set up this interview for uh, a couple months now, so very excited to have him on the show and learn a little bit more about what he's doing and um, what his company, Adam Power, is doing. So, Ryan, thanks so much for being here today. Dylan, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's very exciting what you guys are doing. So to catch up everyone uh, tuning in, let us know a little bit about what Atom Power is. Uh, Atom Power is a company um, that is revolutionizing the power distribution space uh, by effectively digitizing power distribution. So how power gets delivered are now going through devices that are uh, digital and semiconductor based as opposed to how we've kind of done things in the past, like 140 years or so, uh, which has been really mechanical, um, that's effectively what we do. So we make, we make the world's first and only, so far, uh, solid state circuit breaker uh, products that, um, that do a lot of things for the industry. Very cool. And we'll dive into that pretty soon. But um, tell us a little bit about you yourself. Like, how did you get into this space in the first place? Well, yeah, it's not as... Um, you know, uh, it's, it's not so much of a movie story as it is. I needed a job after high school and uh, I wasn't going to college at that time. That wasn't uh, what I wanted to do. So um, a friend of mine got me a job uh, with an electrical contractor that was building large commercial buildings um, uh, here where I'm based at in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, so worked for, um, got that job and worked in the, um, as an electrician with a hard hat and tool belt for the first, uh, I would say, five years or so um, after uh, after high school, and then, you know, eventually said I wanted to um, I wanted to go to college, so I did. Uh, I worked as a uh, project manager and an electrical engineer while I was in college and after college, and had a terrific career, uh, very successful, great clients um, for ten years after college doing uh, large-scale construction management and uh, building design. So think high-rise buildings, data centers, things like that. And then kind of one of those moments you look back on and why did I start college? Um, and I look back and it was really, I, I did want to learn how to build different power distribution systems that would make things easier. Because one of the things I discovered as a, um, in all those fields, both with, a, with, a, with the tools and also with the, you know, uh, on the engineering side and construction management was that there were, it was very difficult to do simple things in power systems, very difficult. I mean, the most rudimentary things you could think about, like remotely controlling something was like big, was very difficult to do. And so through college, I'd put two and two together on some different technologies and had, had this idea for a long time to eventually do what Adam Power is now doing. And, and uh, with a heavy heart, left my career uh, and the company I'd been with for, for nearly 10 years to, uh, to form Adam Power based around all those experiences. So all in, I would say I have about 24 years in the power distribution space. Um, 
from an electrician all the way up to designing buildings to doing what Adam Power's doing today. Nice. Yeah, that's always a hard transition going from, you know, that nine to five career salary job to starting your own company. But um, sometimes you got to do it and make that, you know, make that leap and hopefully, you know, it pays off and it looks like it is paying off for you. So that's very exciting. One thing you mentioned was kind of the, you know, the difference of what things looked like, let's say 150 years ago to what it is today. What kind of trends and changes are you seeing like from, you know, from 150 years ago to what's happening right now? And what do you kind of see happening in the future? Electrically speaking? Yes. Yeah, because I could go on about all kinds of stuff. But um, <laughs> um, electrically speaking, if you think about it, really up until, yeah, really up until not only, you know, 20 years ago, um, if you think about electricity, you think about things are on or off. Um, and that's kind of how things have been. Like, you know, um, you have receptacles, you have lights, and you have heating, cooling systems. And that was kind of, that was kind of it. You know, uh, lights are on, um, or they're off if you turn them off. Uh, same thing with HVAC, you know, air conditioning. Um, but things have changed so much, especially in the last 20 years, in that, you know, you're seeing emergencies, emer emerging technologies. So not just emerging, but technologies now that are established to be able to control that better, especially at lights, you know, light fixtures, lighting controls, you know, HVAC controls. Um, many companies have had been successful in this space. But one of the things that we're seeing now is you have different sources of energy, you know, uh, many more than you did. And I should have mentioned that too. And that's a big thing too. Energy used to come from a handful of different things, you know, for, for the last 20 years or so, you know, whether it's coal, nuclear, and some hydro. And now energy is coming at from different angles. And there's this collision of now we have multiple sources of energy and Electric vehicles are now um, not just emerging, but have, are, are starting to become more mainstream. And they will, and they will continue to do that. Entire fleets now of delivery companies are talking about going all electrical and have plans to do so. I would say that's probably the biggest change with that same collision of multiple sources of energy, solar, wind, uh, sometimes geothermal, et cetera, in that all of a sudden, we're going to have to figure out how we actually go and feed all these new devices, uh, such as you know electric vehicles, such as massive data centers. You know, so like so, data centers, electric vehicles are two of the biggest things that have changed. You know, in the past twenty years or so, that have added tremendous loads onto the grid. Um, and the problem is, is that. Um, there's a limited amount of energy you can produce in general, at least right now with the efficiency of renewables and you know, the, how much, you know, if you're burning coal, how much coal you can burn, hopefully that's not the case, but there's a certain limited amount. So what's required to sort of be able to charge cars and to manage the energy that's being consumed by just sheer data transfer. If you just look at one YouTube video that's gotten say a thousand or million views, you'd be surprised at how many megawatts that burns, you know, um, um, but to be able to manage that, you have to be able to effectively manage the power systems. And you have to be able to elegantly, you know, go and feed things with the right source at the right time and be able to take load away here to add load there because they're just simply soon is not going to be enough infrastructure to actually feed everything at once. 
which if you think about, again, before the last 20 years, that was kind of the case. You, know, you had this pretty steady load profile across the United States and across the world, really, which said, okay, well, at night, people just turn things off. In the day, they turn things on. And that's the load profile that you would see that's pretty routine. Not the case anymore, especially with electric vehicles and data centers. Um, it causes the uh, load profiles to shift wildly. And this is why we're seeing so much innovation, good innovation in renewables or alternative sources of energy. It's good because we're not you know, burning coal, but it's also good because we have to have, we legitimately have to have different ways of producing energy um, many times on site, you know, so that I can provide power there because that thing is consuming a lot of energy. And to do that, you have to have um, very, very smart power distribution systems, you know, that are able to intelligently shift loads, add loads, change loads, um, and to be able to adapt to their environment. And these are things that really haven't been, the electrical infrastructure hasn't been able to do. And it's still greatly struggling to do so. So if you're familiar with like, you know, solar, for example, uh, the, the, bit, the best and easiest example of this is, okay, I put solar panels on my roof of my house, let's just say. A lot of people don't realize that unless they have some elaborate transfer switching mechanisms within their house, if you lose your utility power, you also have to shed your solar power. Like you can't be, you, you, it's ironic, you know, you think you would want to use your solar if you lose your utility. But the reason is, is because you could backfeed into the grid, you know, um, if you're producing solar, if there's no grid and that's dangerous. And so what they do is they island the solar off, you know, and um, but these are the kind of things. And the reason is because the technologies that are out there just aren't good to do things like that. And it goes way into some engineering reasons behind that that I won't get into necessarily now, but. Um, I would say those are the biggest things, multiple sources of energy and data consumption that, it, or sorry, um, power consumption that have created brand new load profiles, primarily related to, to data centers, but especially EVs. We have just hit the tip of the iceberg on the consumption of electric vehicles. Um, if 50% of the population, even 50 gets into electric vehicles and starts using them routinely, right now we have no solution <laughs> to provide the power for those. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating kind of just thinking about how, you know, these pretty old school technologies are combining with, you know, this digital technology and utilizing that data to analyze it. Um, are EVs and data centers kind of your primary clientele and target that you're working with at Atom Power? So today, our, our primary application is in industrial controls um, and some in data centers. So data centers, the data center space for us is just now emerging. We, we didn't, we did not think we would ever be in, well, not ever, but we didn't think we would be in data centers for some time because generally speaking with electrical systems, um, there's a certain uh, conservative approach <laughs> that's taken because many data centers are highly critical and um, they look for well-established, you know, firms that have been around for 20 years and making the same product for 20 years to ensure that, okay, nothing's gonna go wrong with a high confidence. So we, we thought that, that meant for us, being a relatively new company, you know, uh, since 2014 would, would prohibit a lot of from what we're doing going into data centers. We've seen that not to be the case. Uh, we've gotten yanked into data centers um, pretty strongly this year. So, but, but I'm speaking past tense and what's been our industry has been industrial controls. Um, data centers are, are now coming about. We do have a product being released in December though, how, or sorry, in February of next year, 
uh, related to e-mobility and EV charging that I can't wait to tell you more about, um, but we'll soon be heavily into the uh, e-mobility space from multiple angles, from charging car to demand management, uh, to something that's wholly different from what's being done today uh, to address those problems of how do you quickly and effectively and intelligently shift load over to the cars that need it, right? Yeah, that's that's really cool, honestly. Um, what is kind of like the the sort of practical implementation for this for the you know the people that are working with Atom Power? Are you creating systems that are more energy efficient? Are you saving them money? Is it a combination of both of those things? Yes. Um, so one of the things we've struggled with is in calling what we have a circuit breaker. It is a circuit breaker. We have multiple models of our circuit breakers. Um, it's like calling a phone a phone, though, you know, and that the killer application really isn't the phone call anymore. <laughs> it's kind of everything else you can do with it. Mm -hmm. The exact same here. So the circuit breaker we have, we call it the atom switch, mm -hmm. um, fully digital solid state circuit breaker, you know, no moving parts when you make and break circuits, basically, you know, through semiconductors. Um, the, um, the, the thing about this technology is making that shift to digital allows you to do so many things now within the product. And, I, and I'm saying this to kind of back up what you were saying. I'm, I'm getting to that, but it takes a little bit of divergence. So what we discovered was, is okay, yeah, it's a breaker first. But then we said, well, we could shed load. We could add load back on. We could meter. We could actually digitally change the characteristics of the circuit breaker through software. So a 100 amp break, our 100 amp breaker can be programmed to be a 15 amp all the way up to 100 amp dynamically. And it's the same product. Big deal. That's all different hardware today. We can do things like motor controls, transfer switching, all the all this stuff that today you buy breakers and then you buy all this other stuff to put on top of the system to make it somewhat visible and have maybe a little bit of control. You know, so think things like meters. People put meters on electrical things, right, to see what the power consumption is. Well, what if that's built into the breaker? What if one breaker is actually a hundred breakers in one product? What if that one breaker also does industrial controls where we can actually ramp motors up? and ramp them down, think conveyors, things like that becomes a motor control center. I mean, so we've hit this entire, not just the breaker industry, but every industry that uses power is now in one single device. And what it does is the value proposition is it saves a lot of money. And, and this was something we had to overcome because it's relatively more of an expensive product. So if I compared this breaker, your 100 amp, or my 100 amp with their 100 amp, ours is gonna be more expensive. But our 100 amp breaker, for example, takes the place of all the other 50 components you have to buy in that system to make it usable. Because today, circuit breakers don't really make anything usable. They're just there to protect the circuit. That's like the one in the house that trips when something you know, goes wrong. That's all they do today. Well, in this case, that breaker, again, goes back to the killer application. The killer application is no longer circuit protection. It's there, and it does it really well. But really, the killer application is now everything you can do with that single product. So it's really the ROI for the customers is money um, and simplicity, as you can imagine. Now I have one device that I can put in through software to do literally anything I want it to do. Um, so simplicity, cost. Um, we do have the fastest circuit breaker in the world. So safety is another one. That This is something that I often skip over and I probably shouldn't. Um, you know, 
it, it, when things in commercial, when commercial and industrial electrical systems, you know, go wrong, electrically speaking, being short circuits, they usually go wrong in a big way, like boom. Um, this is a product being the fastest in the world, directly related to safety. We have, uh, we have no arc flash, there's no boom. Um, if something goes wrong in the output of our circuit breaker, so safety is a big deal too. Um, this is why we have a lot of industrial applications where safety is critical. So yeah, uh, saving money, uh, saving time, and saving injury, mm -hmm. I would say, is uh, are, are, are some of the key value propositions we're, we're offering customers. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's really what sustainability is all about, is just combining different systems to make it more efficient. Um, so it's cool to see that, you know, kind of coming together with what you're doing. How do you sort of envision the entire commercial and industrial building changing to becoming more sustainable, you know, in the next 15, 20 years? Yes. Um, and you asked about sustainability. I really should have gravitated additionally on that, but uh, there's a huge sustainability play here. And the reason is, is because, so if you think about it for, for a moment with um, what is sustainability? Well, today it is basically having alternative sources of energy um, and using those sources when I can. So we've done a pretty good job of solving a lot of those like you know, solar, wind, et cetera, but they're not always available. I mean, this is pretty common knowledge, right? I mean, when the sun's not out, there's no solar, but you can store it, and now that becomes part of an energy storage system. So these things are relatively solved as far as the technologies are there. Where there's a huge gap right now, and I mean a big gap, is how do you actually take all those sources into one location? I know it sounds easy, like well, you can imagine, solar connects here, utility connects here, <laughs> you know, maybe a backup something else connects here. But those have major problems because we use AC, right? This is legacy Tesla, Tesla the, per the person, you mm -hmm. know, um, and those things have synchronized. And if they don't, boy, there's bad news there. So what can we do about that? Why, is, why am I talking about that? Because one of the things we discovered we could also do is to have, when you have an ultra fast circuit breaker, and I mean really fast, like 3000 times faster than the fastest one on the market today. What you can do is you can effectively transfer between multiple sources instantaneously with no visibility to the customer. So imagine this, you've got the solar on your house. You've got a utility also coming into your house. Let's just pretend also you have a, I don't know, a battery pack somewhere in the house that's storing energy at night. Imagine being able to transfer between multiple sources and never actually know it, never see the lights blink. This is the effect we're having on the renewable space also. And this is one that's emerging for us. I mean, there's, it's distributed energy resources, right? This is kind of an emerging uh, trend we're starting to see, which is how can you actually go effectively transfer between all those different sources without any interruption of power and it from, for it to not be visible to a customer. This is what we can, we can do. You can achieve those things today, but it's through very expensive, very big and sometimes highly faulty equipment that doesn't always do the job. And here's a scenario where you have the super fast breaker that you can just in the same, imagine an electrical panel that I can now bring multiple sources of energy into and fluidly transfer between whatever source I want under whatever conditions. It opens this door very wide to now AI being able to control that to say, well, it's really sunny. So let's go to solar. You'd never know you did it. Let's, 
We have lots of storage here. We have cars parked in. Let's back feed from the cars, electric vehicles, right, to, to then feed the building. It allows all that to happen, which has not been the case. So there's a very big renewables play there. Um, I would say the other one is electric uh, vehicle charging. Uh, so what's coming out uh, early next year is uh, the ability to, to charge the electric vehicle straight from the circuit breaker. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a big deal. So imagine now that you can, anybody now can put a charging infrastructure without having to worry about, you know, some of the constraints we have today um, with demand management built into the breaker itself to where you can shed load, add load, throttle load up and down at the car. I mean, there's just a, I, I think just the simple, the simple demand management story that we, we've had for, in our products for, for years now. Um, just being able to shed load and then intelligently add load back on as it's needed based on whatever algorithm the customer has, I think is a, I mean, that just, that's a straight renewable story there or, or sustainability because now you can granularly shed load, add it back on intelligently, which is super hard to do today. This is why most buildings don't have this capability of doing demand management effectively. You can on some things like lighting is a big one. You can do that. But, um, but to really manage like big loads in a building is really hard to do. And we enable that as well, which is directly related to sustainability. Yeah, man, honestly, it's mind blowing. Like just I'm, as you're talking, I can kind of just see all these, these different systems working together and the practical use of it. And I, I assume like, or maybe I don't even want to assume, but are you eventually, or can you kind of connect multiple buildings and multiple grids all together and kind of ultimately have it managed from essentially all of this energy managed from one place in it. Um, and like you mentioned with AI too, implementing that into it. So it just essentially runs itself. Like, is that kind of where you see this going in the future as well? We do. We yeah. do. Um, the energy systems are going to be connected in the future, which they're not today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, anything behind the meter is really not connected. And that's going to change. Uh, we're seeing it change in, in various locations already, or at least the desire to change um, in various locations around the country today. The problem is, is the the enabling technologies really aren't there to do that. We have it. It's kind we of mind blowing it. that it's not already there. Like you'd think someone would have solved that problem, and it's just all connected, and you can you know track where everything is and use that data to make things more efficient. But it sounds like it's pretty disconnected just because of sort of that older technology and now you're kind of creating this to bring it all together that's that's really interesting um man i feel like we could dive a lot deeper i want to you know be mindful of your time today but i do always like to ask you know one more question um what's one thing that you know the average person can just sort of keep in mind when it comes to what you're working on with adam power like how can you know i think what what you're working on almost if it's working perfectly the average person wouldn't even necessarily notice it's just kind of running in place and that's a testament to, you know, good work, good quality infrastructure. Um, but what's something, you know, the average person can do to just be more mindful of the things you're working on? Well, so I think to, to something you alluded to is a lot of what we're working on generally aren't exposed to, to the public, right? So I don't go walk into a commercial building, even though I know about it. I don't think about what kind of breakers are in that closet over there. <laughs> you know, all I know is the lights are on. Um, I think that what you'll see is a lot more adoption of two things, electric vehicles, electric, sorry, electric vehicle uh, charging infrastructure is one of them because now it's super easy to do. 
Um, it's convoluted today, big time, but now it's super easy. It can come straight out of the power distribution system. So I think the average person is gonna see that. More buildings all of a sudden have charging infrastructure because it becomes much more cost effective, which it is, we're a lot cheaper. And it also becomes much more uh, fluid. And now all those stations can connect other buildings, exactly what you're saying. And I think that has side effects too, like you know the apps we have now to find out where the best charger is, that can easily morph into, now I can kind of see a lot more than I used to because everything's on this kind of connected network. Uh, so I'd say that's one. The other one is the availability of renewables. That's another one because um, we, we have a hard time visualizing that. A lot of people know about renewables. I think most people do, like solar panels, probably the best example of that. I don't think a lot of folks have visibility into Am I using solar right now? <laughs> you know, or am I using the wind turbine that's up on the roof? And they're just not clear, right? So I think you're gonna see that become much more visible, not just for the at the commercial level, but at the residential level even. Mm -hmm. In the future, not too far from now, um, you know, we will have a residential product that um, now if you buy solar, you don't have to ditch the solar if you lose your utility. It's mm -hmm. not a problem. You know, so I think those are gonna be the most visible once that res residential version of what we're doing comes to the market. Yeah, no, Ryan, that's such interesting stuff. My mind is kind of blown right now, just everything you're working on. And I love just how really big picture this is, you know, this, I can really see this just having an effect on so many different industries and, you know, individuals without them ever really even noticing, you know, as it kind of is continuing to happen. Um, I'd honestly love to just dive a little bit deeper with you if you're ever interested in coming back on the show, because I feel like we barely even really scratched the surface. I just kind of wanted to chat with you a bit, learn more about Adam Power and um, just, you know, pick your brain. And it really is fascinating what you guys have, have done and put together and are working on now and the vision of where you see things going in the future. So I want to thank you for, you know, sitting down with us and uh, being here today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Dylan, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah. And um, so, and real quick, where can, you know, the listener um, go to check out more information about Adam Power? So two things, definitely the website, adampower.com, A-T-O-M power.com, or go to YouTube and look at Atom Power Circuit Breaker. And uh, we got some pretty cool YouTube videos of product demonstrations and things like that, that are some from our early days are a little wilder than they are now, but those would be two good places, I'd say. Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. Be sure to go check that out. It's honestly fascinating what uh, Ryan is doing and Adam Power is doing. Um, so to everyone who tuned in, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We're always bringing you, you know, the top CEOs in the clean tech, energy, transportation, travel space. Um, so I want to thank Ryan. Thank you as always for tuning in. And um, we're putting out quite a bit more content these days. We are starting to go three to four episodes a week. Um, talking to some amazing people, putting out a lot of articles online, goinggreenshow.com. So uh, if you're ever interested in learning more, check that out. We'll, uh, we actually have an article um, interviewing Ryan on goinggreenshow.com, which also dives a little bit deeper there too. So be sure to check all that out in that article links to Adam Power as well. So as always, thanks for tuning into another episode of Going Green and we'll see you on the next one.